Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine, and this morning we're going to go off in a slightly different direction. Um, instead of talking totally about business and marketing tips, we're going to talk a little bit about the arts. We're going to talk about indie fringe this morning. Um, and the reason we're going off on what may appear to be a little bit of a tangent is I am absolutely passionate about the idea that a strong business community um, one that attracts interesting people, has to also have a strong arts community. And I know that my guest today feels very, very similarly. I'm so excited to have Pauline Moffat. She is the Executive Director of Indie Fringe joining us this morning. Good morning, Pauline. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We are so excited. Um, I'm going to just brag on Pauline a little bit, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about herself, um, but before I do, quick reminder, um, Tamara's hanging out on Twitter. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. So if you've got a question for Pauline, if you have a comment, if you've been to one of the shows at the Fringe, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Um, but Pauline is, um, as I said, she's the Executive Director of Indie Fringe, and she comes to this not from a role necessarily in theater, but she has a background in marketing, public relations, and special events. She has a certificate in fundraising management um, from the Center of Philanthropy in 2005. And as you'll be able to tell in just a moment from her accent, she came to Indianapolis from Melbourne, Australia in 2005. Um, since she's been here, she's done some amazing, amazing things with the French. Um, Pauline, what else should we know about you? <laughs> um, well, I, I think I'm a pretty lucky person. Um, my PR company managed a five-star hotel in Melbourne, Australia, and we were asked to position that hotel, the Hotel Sofitel. So we chose the arts to position it and put into play... Um, whole strategy, award-winning strategy for them, which we managed for about nine years before I came over here. So we had locked up pretty well every arts organization in Melbourne, you know, from the museums through to the symphony orchestra through to the comedy and jazz festivals. So when I arrived, and, and part of that was also the Fringe Festival in Melbourne and Adelaide. So part of, you know, when I arrived and saw that there was Fringe on here, or about to start, I called them and said, congratulations, you can have a better place than Mass Ave to have a Fringe Festival. And uh, so they asked me to come along and have a chat with them, and I ended up being the executive director. So I thought, how lucky, you know, we'd finished that wonderful um, nine years of managing that program, and then uh, to be able to do the same thing here was, was really challenging because it was all about um, small performing groups and act individual actors as opposed to big corporations, but nevertheless, um, it was a lucky thing. So I'm happy here in Indianapolis. Well, I think it was lucky for us as well to have somebody who actually knew what a fringe festival was supposed to look like. Um, 
for people who are listening who have never been to the fringe, after we get over the shame on them, um, what is Fringe Festival all about? Well, you know, really it's about emerging artists and sometimes established artists who want to kickstart their careers and sometimes it's about touring artists who have chosen the Fringe to to uh, tour their shows. Now it started, you know, 60 years ago in Edinburgh, Scotland, and it was a way of reuniting Europe um, after World War II and reuniting them through the arts. Those who weren't invited set up on the fringe of the city. So Fringe is a movement that went uh, next to Australia and the second oldest fringes in Australia. And it moved to Canada. The third oldest fringe in the world is in Edmonton. And um, then into the U.S. with um, San Francisco and Orlando, strangely enough, vying as the oldest fringe festivals in the U.S. But now it's such a, a global movement. I think there are 85 fringe festivals around the world. I mean, you could literally tour the world and earn a living through fringe. Wow. And um, fringe is uh, our fringe festival. Um, we typically have around 80 different plays. Do I have the number right? No, we we um, are capped at 64 um, shows, individual um, shows, and uh, that's because that's all the theatres we have. So really, because we like to present our fringe in Indianapolis in the theatres um, on Mass Avenue, we have to cap it at 64. Uh, so 64 uh, performing groups each perform six shows over 11 days. And, and they receive 100% of their box office um, in cash at the end of every show. And that, that's really one of the cool things um, when you go to the different performances is um, you see a lot of young performers. Um, for some, this may be the first time they're performing their play um, professionally. And to know that they get 100% of the box office is really um, it's awesome, and it allows them to earn, you know, earn a part of a living. Like you said, they can travel from fringe to fringe. But as an organization, how can we afford to do that? Well, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult model. Um, however, with the economic benefit that you know we give back to Massachusetts Avenue and to you know the merchants on the avenue. They in turn support the fringe, and you know we have been uh, rewarded in grants for doing that, for being able to return that sort of money to performers and enable them to earn a living through fringe and through the fringe theatre. So I guess what goes around comes around, um, but nevertheless, it, it's still a very difficult financial model. But once you bite the bullet with anything, you always find a way to Absolutely. do it. Now, and, and let's talk a little bit about, because you guys do um, profiles and surveys of the people that um, attend the Fringe. Um, and, you know, you're talking about the economic benefit. You have some numbers that people can get a handle on how much additional revenue is generated in the Mass Ave area during that 11 days of the festival. Well, you know, it's really interesting that, um, you know, there's been a recent um, survey about um, spending patterns in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, that the arts really do make money. So the average spend is $28.38 according to the survey uh, and results um, released by the Arts Council in our case. 
uh, during the festival, the average spend is $48. So that's an incredible um, increase on the typical art spend. So that money, by paying our performers in cash, we retain their money in our city. We're not saying, here's a check a month later, go and spend it in your own city. We want their money spent here. So we are driving traffic all the time back to our merchants and back to our city, and I think it's one of the things that's very much appreciated. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to say uh, one of the cool things and the fact that we do the entire Fringe Festival on Mass Avenue, as a participant, one of the cool things is that you can walk between the theaters, you can um, walk, pop in at a local restaurant, and then go to see another show. Um, so there really is just a ton of activity that really brings Mass Ave alive during the festival. Yes, and I think the fact that the um, merchants uh, appreciate that there is about a 20% increase in revenue for them. I mean, we partner with Flat 12. They produce a fringe beer. So up and down the avenue, that beer is on sale at every bar and, and pretty well every restaurant, I think, bar one. And... Um, you know, other restaurants do a fringe takeout menu. So you can call from our beer tent and in 15 minutes you can run across to 45 degrees and pick up a plate of sushi. Oh, wow. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I will definitely keep that in mind for next year. Yeah, it's great. And other restaurants will say, well, if you're fringing, here's our fringe me menu. We know we can get you in and out in 20 minutes and you can still catch a show. Awesome. Uh that, that's definitely going to be something cool to look for next year. But somewhere along the line, Fringe, the Indie Fringe stopped being a once-a-year event. And suddenly um, the Indie Fringe Theater started hosting events year-round. Well, yeah, that was an interesting exercise. I went to the U.S. Fringe Festival Association conference in Victoria, British Columbia, and um, I think it was like about 2003, uh, no, sorry, 2007. So it was very early in our small, you know, six-member group. And um, they had just started their own theatre and said that they, in the two years that they had been running their own theatre, the number of top-selling shows in the Canadian Fringe Festival conference that had come from... Victoria, British Columbia, had doubled. I thought, yeah, that makes sense because these companies have only one chance to perform a year. So we knew of a derelict building over there on um, just off Mass Avenue. So we asked the owner if, you know, we fix it up in lieu of rent. Um, you know, can we have the building? And he agreed. And he also agreed to sell it to us uh, four years down the track. So really it was all about saying, okay, how many opportunities can we provide for our local artists um, in a low-cost rehearsal and performance space so that they too can have a year-round opportunity to perform and then bring great stuff to us at the Fringe. And so today Indy, the Indie Fringe owns the building at the corner, basically at the corner of Mass and College. Uh, Mass um, College and St. Clair. College and St. Clair, okay. So at the intersection of College and St. Clair. And um, you are looking to make it um, 
I've heard you refer to it as the trailhead. We're calling it the trailhead, yes. Um, For anybody who's familiar with our little building, uh, we have recently um, reconstructed the alley, which sits next to the building, and we have put in this amazing green epic system parking space, which allows us to park anything like a truck on this uh, special parking area, which will still retain its grass and we'll have a garden and we've planted new trees, so it's looking pretty spectacular. Um, But the trailhead is the next step for us in in really utilising that property. What we don't have in the existing building is really very nice public restrooms, you know, that, that... people can use. We have pretty long queues for the loo, as I call it, at intervals. So we want to do that, um, add on a performer's green room and put in an elevator to the building, a ticket office and, you know, a place where people can gather. So we decided to call it the trailhead because we, when we're open, people riding their bikes down Mass Avenue on the cultural trail, coming down on the Monon trail, can call in and use our trailhead public restrooms. Yes, and and uh, we the the building is located really at the at kind of the point where both trails sort of begin. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's in a great situation. Um, you know, we've got bike racks. You know, we're we're organised for the bikers. And, and the local community who are walking so much more these days, and that is fabulous. And I've seen a whole change downtown in the years that I've been here. And uh, there are young families now, mothers, kids, you know, walking with babies around town during the day. So, you know, we want to be part of that community, and I think we do a pretty good job of being part of community. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, taking over the building and renovating the building, it's it always sort of has this domino effect as, you know, as you start to get activity in one area and you start to get merchants and they start to be successful, it sort of spreads. And yeah. and I've seen it definitely, um, you know, like from your building heading down to uh, Indy Reeds, you, you've just got all this development where it's suddenly a very inviting place to be, um, you know, even, you know, late into the evenings. Um, Correct. So let's yeah, talk a little bit about. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to I wanted to kind of switch and talk a little bit about some of the specific activities. Um, you know, one of the the things that you you've done is add the annual Diva Fest um, as kind of an extension of the Fringe Festival. It's kind of a nice winter break. You want to talk about this year's Diva Fest? Yeah, um, Diva Fest started out of our first uh, play contest. And we realized that it was disproportionately women who were entering the play contest. So we thought, well, obviously there's a need for women to get their work up on stage. So we are now into our fourth year of Diva Fest. It's a jury process. They submit their plays. Those plays go out to readers, and then they're marked up and um, given back to us with recommendations as to whether you know they are capable of being put on stage or whether they need more work on them. So this year we have four plays and we have added um, four storytellers because storytelling is also you know, a great opportunity for women to have a voice. Um, so we have a visiting um, playwright from Massachusetts and her show is Marilyn Monroe Communist, um, a fascinating piece of work about her growing up 
as um, a red diaper baby, the child of communist parents. And she uses a lot of Marilyn Monroe's quotes to talk about um, the era, the time when she was a child and all these people were, you know, wandering through her home on their way to Canada, of all places. Um, So that's pretty fascinating. There's a group of writers that came out of the Writers' Centre and uh, their job was to put together uh, a short, each of them a short play um, revolving around packages. They entered as a group, um, small things um, coming packages, and they were scored very well and got an opportunity to put their play on. Then we have, you know, the young Sharla Steinman. She's 17 years of age, but she's already had two top-selling shows in the Fringe Festival. I and her shows. Both of her plays, they uh, one was the rap performance, wasn't it? Uh, Two years no, ago, no, the, the whole thing was written in rap? Yes, yes, that's it. Yep, slammed. Yes, slammed, yes. And, you know, she wrote uh, uh, Aquarium last year. Yep. She, This young lady has been on this planet before because of her <laughs> ability to um, talk about relationships and, and write about relationships and then get the actors to portray these fascinating relationships. And in this case, it's a housewarming party. And we always know what they're like. Pretty challenging at the best of times. So young Charlotte's show is on there. She has a great mentor in Ty Stover, who's very well known in the acting community and um, is also her teacher at uh, University High School. So Charlotte's in there. I was going to say, I think it's amazing that we have something here in Indianapolis that allows um, a young woman like Sharla to have a place um, beyond just her high school theater department where she can uh, really tool her craft because a lot of the programs, I mean, a lot of her plays are um, explore adult themes that I don't know that, you know, a local high school will always necessarily be comfortable saying, yes, this is going to be our show this year, but she's very, very talented, and to be able to explore that um, in front of live audiences and, and really kind of do this kind of work at the age of 17, without Fringe, that would not be possible. It wouldn't be possible. It really wouldn't. And the same goes for um, Nicole Kearney, who's African-American. I mean, it would not be possible for her to get her to show up on stage. But in 2010, she put in her play for DFS, and it was called Wedding Bells. And um, it has been workshopped since 2010 and will be on stage in Chicago as a 90-minute play at the end of this year. Wow. Wow. Now, that, she's, she's like, I, I hold her up as my example of how you can take a very simple piece, start it at DivaFest, and then workshop it all the way through for the next three years until you can get it to the point where it is good enough to be accepted on a stage in Chicago. And um, I think that, you know, that's that's an amazing... um, uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we can do for young playwrights here. It's also a really cool thing. Um, if you're into theater, 
Um, to have the opportunity to see these plays in their early stages, to see the evolution, um, uh, because there's something amazing and raw and just really interesting about the early, you know, the, the first performances, and then to go back and see it after it's kind of been workshopped and kind of see that progression is fascinating. Um, but if people want to come to the Diva Fest, um, it runs through this weekend. Are there still tickets available? There are always tickets at the door because we never sell more than 50% at any time online. So um, doors open half an hour before the shows. All the information is on IndieFringe.org. And we have two shows on Friday night and three shows on Saturday night. And Sunday we have three storytellers at Indie Reads Bookshop, bookshop at um, the 800 block of Mass Avenue. Okay, cool. Hey, we have a quick question. Um, yes. From Ideas for Indie, they'd like to know with with all of the programming that is available, um, what is, what would you like to see more of in Indie? What is Indie currently lacking that you would like to see uh, grow next? So the question is, you know, as um, We've, we've come a long way in the arts community, but what would you like to see added to the Indianapolis arts scene? Okay, I'd like to see busking, or shall we say the art of street theatre. You know, vibrant cities around the world um, offer great street theatre. You can go anywhere, you know, Paris, London, New York. Um, you know, even in the US, some cities will offer terrific um, street theatre, like New Orleans, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been playing with this on Mass Avenue for the Fringe Festival for eight years. I would like to see it spread down to Georgia Street and on the circle. And, um, you know, a panhandler's going to have trouble competing with a busker because buskers <laughs> are funny and buskers are delightful and buskers will draw you in. I mean, certainly the art of busking requires that you drop a dollar in somebody's hat. But... You're getting some value for it, and it makes the streets safer. It makes the streets livelier. It brings an ambiance to the city. It brings joy and you know cheerfulness, no matter where you go. And so, you know, if I were to develop anything in the city, I would be out there developing street theatre. Well, and um, that does lead to, and we only have a few minutes, but I do want to talk a little bit about the the fringe on wheels, which is sort of uh, hopefully an attempt to at least for special events be able to bring street performers to locations. Do you want to talk about the um, fundraising for the fringe on wheels? Yeah, well, fringe on wheels is like a, you know a, a visiting a traveling circus, and it would be fringe performers. But the beauty of it is that it would be a focus. It would be this terrifically painted truck with a canopy that comes out the side and a stage and lights and whiz-bang and a host. And it would go, you know, to Georgia Street and from there, you know, eight or nine buskers could walk up and down the street, but they'd have a home. They'd have somewhere to belong. We could take it out to Carmel. We could take it out to festivals and fairs. So right now we're trying to raise enough money to do that. We know what sort of truck we need, but we do need to raise money. And, you know, there's corporate opportunities for people to sponsor that truck and have their name out there. You know, we say every street deserves a festival, and we can also take that truck out to um, fairs and festivals and, you know, local events and have 
an opportunity, give an opportunity to local performers to come and show us what they're doing. So it's like a scouting for talent because there are people out there who never get an opportunity to do anything, but we know they're extremely talented. And this could be a stage that could help them as well as be you know, an ambassador for the fringe, a roving ticket office, and so on. So we are looking for funding for our Fringe on Wheels. Um, it's called Feed Your, Feed Your Creativity. If you go onto our website, you can donate. Um, we will give some you know, wonderful benefits for Fringe um, donations to, the, to Fringe on Wheels. So, um, you know, in general, um, I think as you know, as the city looks, um, uh, Fringe has made just this huge contribution. I'm, I'm going to uh, full disclosure. I'm a member of the board of Indie Fringe, and I, I do this because I love the theater, because I also love what I've seen it doing. Um, I'm on the website now, and I'm going to read something because I think it's important for people to realize that the Indie Fringe Festival returned. $106,000 just to the artists during the Fringe Festival. Um, and to be able to basically fund, fund arts development and fund the uh, early stages of um, career development for, for the arts community, I think brings a whole new dimension to, um, to the city. It just makes it an interesting place. So this is a plea. Um, if you're interested in growing businesses in Indianapolis, consider making a contribution to grow the arts as well, um, indiefringe.org. How is that, Pauline? Did I do a good job? You did a brilliant job, but I have to add that we have actually returned $141,000 to the performers in 2012 because we also allow them to share the box office at the Indie Fringe Theatre. So that was the total for 2012. And when you think about it, we practically gave away as much as we got in from grants. And that's, you know, if we talk about a business model, I sometimes scratch my head. But it's it's the pleasure and the joy of being able to do that and then to see what it does for the artist is what keeps us going. And I, um, I, I, think, I think what it does for the artist is awesome. I think what it does for the avenue and, and what it does for the city because um, people come for the Fringe Festival and as, as it continues to grow, um, it's something worth coming in for um, to be able to drive down to Mass Ave and see two, three, or four plays in one day is not something that you can do easily in a lot of other areas. Um, uh, in a lot of the other communities surrounding Indianapolis. There is a Chicago Fringe Festival, but it's a little more separated, so I think it's a little harder to get around to all the theaters. I think that's uh, one of the things that really makes us unique. Yeah, and, and you know, it's been a, a big tourism driver. I mean, our tourism numbers are up. Um, we, we now have visitors from 33 counties in Indiana, and 6% of our total audience comes from outside of Indiana. So you can see that people are now coming to Indianapolis for the Fringe. They often say to me, you know, we plan our trip to see family around the Fringe because, you know, typically they're working, so we've got lots of things to do to keep us amused. And I love that when I hear people are planning business trips or, or holidays um, from Los Angeles and New York and all over the country and come to Indy while the Fringe is on. 
And beyond the merchants on Mass Ave, I'm pretty sure some of the hotels in the downtown area appreciate that as well. Yes, you know, I think everybody appreciates it. And, and as I said to you, you know, we've been very fortunate that when a community like Indianapolis decided to start a French festival, they got right behind it. And they've helped grow it and they appreciate the performers and they welcome our visiting performers because it is half local and half national and international. But each one of those people who experiences, you know, future hospitality leaves the city saying, wow, you should go to Indianapolis. It's a cool city. It's a really cool city. It's got so many hidden treasures. And people don't know that. Absolutely. Well, Pauline, I cannot believe that we have um, just blown through a half an hour. This has been so awesome. Well, thank you. And I'm pleased my voice um, made it through because I, I hope, I do apologize for sounding so dreadful this morning, but... It's, you know, the local bug, unfortunately. No, you were awesome. Um, I'm going to do just a quick plug. If you want to learn more about the Indie Fringe Festival, go to IndieFringe.org. Check out one of the performances. Check out more than one. If you're down on Mass Ave, walk by the building and look around. It's um, a great addition to the avenue. And... Um, Reach out. If you've got questions, you can always uh, contact Pauline through the uh, contact form on the website. We'd love to see you at a performance. And if you want to learn more about marketing and other small business topics, you can always check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This, this has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.